Chapter 14 of With Clive in India. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Gary Ullman. The Siege of Ambur. The victory was a complete and decisive one. A thousand of the best troops of Morari Rio had fallen beside some hundreds of their irregular allies, whose loss was incurred almost wholly at the gorge in the retreat. The Rajah was in the highest state of delight at the splendid result, obtained by the European training of his troops, and these, proud of their victory over such formidable opponents, were full of enthusiasm for their young English leader. The rejoicings in Ambur that night were great, and all felt confident that the danger was at an end. What think you, the Rajah said to Charlie, as the long feast at an end, they sat together in the divan, smoking their nargahillies. Will be the result when the news of the defeat of Morai Rio reaches Hyderabad. It is difficult to say, Charlie replied. It is possible, of course, that it may be considered that it is better to leave you in peace, but upon the other hand it may be that they will consider that you are so formidable a power that it is absolutely necessary to crush you at once rather than to give you the chance of joining against them in the war which must sooner or later take place between them and the english in that case it will be a very different affair from that which we had to-day still i should send off a messenger to-morrow to acquaint the nizam with the defeat you inflicted upon the mahrattas who have invaded you to assure him again of your loyalty and to beg him to lay his authority upon morari rio not to renew the attack ten days later a messenger arrived from the nizam ordering the rajah to repair at once to hyderabad to explain his conduct the latter sent back a message of humble excuses saying that his health was so injured by the excitement of recent events that he was unable to travel but that when he recovered he would journey to hyderabad to lay his respects at the feet of the nisan two or three days later a messenger arrived from mr sanders with a letter to charlie in this he expressed his great satisfaction at the defeat of morii rio had received a defeat which would for some time keep him quiet and so relieve the strain upon the english affairs had he said since the departure of clive for england been going badly duplex had received large reinforcements and the english had suffered several reverses mr saunders begged him to assure the rajah of the respect and friendship of england and to give him the promise that if he should be driven from his capital he would be received with all honours at madras and should be reinstated in his dominions with much added territory when the english were again in a position to take the field in force and to settle a long feud with the french ten days later they heard that the army of the nizam of fifteen thousand troops with eight hundred french under Bussy, were marching against them and that the horsemen of morii rio were devastating the villages near the frontier a council of war was held charlie would fain have fought in the open again believing that his trained troops flushed with their recent victory would be a match even for the army of the nizam but the rajah and the rest of the council alarmed at the presence of the french troops 
who had hitherto proved invincible against vastly superior forces of natives, shrank from such a course, and it was decided that they should content themselves with the defense of the town and castle. Orders were accordingly issued that the old men, the women, the children should at once leave the town and, under guard of one battalion of troops, take refuge in an almost impregnable hill fort some miles away. One battalion was placed in garrison in the castle. The other three, with the irregulars, took post in the town, whence they could, if necessary, retreat into the castle. The day following the removal of the non-combatants, the enemy appeared, coming down the valley, having marched over the hills while the Mahratta cavalry again poured up from below. Charlie had taken the command of the town, as it was against this that the efforts of the enemy would be first directed. It was an imposing sight as the army of the Nizan wound down the valley, the great masses of men with their gay flags. The elephants with the gold embroidery of their trappings glistened in the sun, the bands of horsemen careening here and there, the lines of artillery drawn by bullocks, and less picturesque but far more menacing the dark body of french infantry who formed the nucleus and head of the whole the camp was pitched just out of range of the guns of the fort and soon line after line of tents gay with the flags that floated above them rose across the valley charlie had mounted to the castle the better to observe the movements of the enemy and he presently saw a small small body of horsemen ride out of the camp and mount the hillside across the valley a glass showed that some of these were native officers while others were in the dark uniform of the french i have no doubt charlie said to the rajah that is the nizam himself with Bussy gone up to reconnoitre the position i wonder how he likes the look of it I wish we could have turfed the battery above and the newly stripped land. We might, in that case, have given them a present surprise. As it is, they are hardly likely to begin by an attack along the slopes in the rear of the town, and you will see that they will commence the attack at the farther face of the town. The battery above cannot aid us in our defense there, and although the castle may help, it will only be by a direct fire. If they try to carry the place by a coup de main, I think we shall beat them off. But they must succeed by regular approaches. We must inflict as much loss as we can and then fall back. However, it will be some time before that comes. The next morning, Charlie found that the enemy had, during the night, erected three batteries on the slopes facing the north wall of the town, that farthest removed from the castle. They at once opened fire, and the guns on the walls facing them replied, while those on the castle hurled their shot over the town into the enemy's battery. For three days the artillery fire was kept up without intermission. The guns on the wall were too weak to silence the batteries of the besiegers. Although these were much annoyed by the fire from the fort, which dismounted four of their guns and blew up one of their magazines, Several times the town was set on fire by the shell from the French mortars, but Charlie had organized the irregulars into bands with buckets 
and these succeeded in extinguishing the flames before they spread seeing that the mud wall of the town was crumbling rapidly before the besiegers fire charlie set his troops to work and levelled every house within fifty yards of it and with the stones and beams formed barricades across the end of the streets beyond many of the guns from other portions of the walls were removed and placed on these barricades the ends of the houses were loopholed and all were prepared for a desperate defence charlie's experience at arcot stood him in good stead and he imitated the measures taken by clive at that place when these defences were completed he raised a second line of barricades some distance further back and here when the assault was expected he placed one of his battalions with orders that if the inner line of entrenchments were carried they should allow all the defenders of the post to pass through and then resist until the town was completely evacuated when they were to fall back upon the fort he had however little fear that his position would be taken at the first assault upon the evening of the third day the besiegers fire had done its work and a gap in the wall some eighty yards wide was formed the garrison was ordered to hold themselves in readiness and a strict watch was set towards morning a distant hum in the nizam's camp proclaimed that the troops were mustering for the assault the besiegers guns had continued their fire all night to prevent working parties from placing obstacles in the breach as the first shades of daylight appeared the fire ceased and a great column of men poured forward to the assault the few remaining guns upon the end wall opened upon them as did the infantry who lined the parapet while the guns in the castle at once joined in the mighty column however composed of the troops of the nizam pressed forward poured over the fragments of the wall and entered the clear space behind it then from housetop and loophole and from the walls on either side a concentrated fire of musketry was poured upon them while twelve guns four on each barricade swept them with grape the head of the column withered away under the fire long lines were swept through the crowded mass and after a minute or two's while firing at their concealed foes the troops of the nizam appalled and shattered by the tremendous fire broke and fled the instant they had cleared the breach the guns of the besiegers again opened furiously upon it to check any sortie which the besieged might attempt an hour later the besiegers hoisted a white flag and requested to be allowed to bury their dead and remove their wounded this charlie agreed to with the provision that these should be carried by his own men beyond the breach as he did not wish that the enemy should have an opportunity of examining the internal defences the task occupied some time as more than five hundred dead and dying lay scattered in the open space during the rest of the day the enemy showed no sign of resuming the assault during the night they could be heard hard at work and although a brisk fire was kept up to hinder them charlie found that they had pushed trenches from the batteries a considerable distance round each corner of the town for four days the besiegers worked vigorously harassed as they were by the guns of the fort and by those of the battery high up on the hillside 
which were now able to take in flank the works across the upper angle of the town at the end of that time they had erected and armed two batteries which at daylight opened upon the walls which formed the flanks of the clear space behind the breach although suffering heavily from the fire of the besieged and losing many men these batteries kept up their fire unceasingly night and day until great gaps had been made in the wall and charlie was obliged to withdraw his troops from them behind the line of barricades during the time the fire of the batteries in front had been unceasing and had destroyed most of the houses which formed the connecting line between the barricades each night however the besieged worked to repair damages and to fill up the gaps thus formed with piles of stones and beams so that by the end of the fourth day after the repulse of the first assault a line of barricades stretched across the line of defence the enemy this time prepared to attack by daylight and early in the morning the whole army of the nizam marched to the assault heedless of the fire of the castle they formed up in a long line of heavy masses along the slope one huge column moved forward against the main breach two advanced obliquely towards the great gaps in the walls on either side the latter columns were each headed by bodies of french troops in vain the guns of the fort aided by those of the battery on the hill swept them the columns advanced without a check until they entered the breaches then a line of fire swept along the crest of the barricades from end to end and the cannon of the besieged roared out pressed by the mass from behind the columns advanced torn and rent by the fire and at last gained the foot of the barricade here those in front strove desperately to climb up the great mound of rubbish while those behind covered them with a storm of bullets aimed at its summit more than once the troops of the rajah rushing down the embankment drove back the struggling masses but so heavily did they suffer from the fire when they thus exposed themselves that charlie forbade them to repeat the attempt he knew that there was safety behind and was unwilling that his brave fellows should throw away their lives in the centre of the position the native troops although they several times climbed some distance up the barricade were yet unable to make way but the french troops at the flanks were steadily forcing their way up many had climbed up by the ruins of the wall and from its top were firing down on the defenders of the barricade inch by inch they won their way up the barricade although already thickly covered with dead and then charlie seeing that his men were beginning to waver gave the signal the long blast of a trumpet was heard even above the tremendous din in an instant the barricades were deserted and the defenders rushed into the houses the partition walls between these on the lower floors had already been knocked down and without suffering from the heavy fire which the assailants opened as soon as they gained the crest of the barricade the defenders retreated along these covered ways until in rear of the second line of defence this was held by the battalion placed there until the whole of the defenders of the town had left it by the gate leading up to the fort 
then charlie withdrew this battalion also and the town remained in the hands of the enemy who had lost charlie reckoned fully fifteen hundred men in the assault during the fight tim and the faithful hosan now fully recovered and promoted to the rank of an officer had remained close beside him and were with him the last to leave the town the instant the evacuation was complete the guns of the hill battery opened upon the town and a tremendous fire of musketry was poured upon it from every point in the castle which commanded it while the guns which from their lofty elevation could not be depressed sufficiently to bear upon the town directed their fire upon the bodies of the troops still beyond the walls the enemy had captured the town indeed but his possession aided them but little in their assault upon the fort the only advantage it gave them would have been that it would have enabled them to attack the lower gate of the force protected by the outer wall from the fire of the hill battery charlie had however perceived that this would be the case and had planted a number of mines under the wall at this point these were exploded when the defenders of the town entered the fort and a hundred yards of the wall were thus destroyed leaving the space across which the enemy must advance to the attack of the gate exposed to the fire of the hill battery as well as of the numerous guns of the fort bearing upon it two days passed without any further operation on the part of the enemy and then Busey, seeing that nothing whatever could be done towards assaulting the fortress so long as the battery remained in the hands of the besieged determined to make a desperate effort to carry it ignorant of its immense strength at night therefore he ordered two bodies of men each fifteen hundred strong to mount the hillside far to the right and left of the town to move along at the foot of the wall of rock and to carry the battery by storm at daybreak charlie believing that such an attempt would be made had upon the day following the fall of the town taken his post there and had ordered a most vigilant watch to be kept up each night placing sentries some hundred yards away on either side to give warning of the approach of an enemy towards daybreak on the third morning a shot upon the left followed a few seconds later by one on the right told that the enemy was approaching a minute or two afterwards the sentries ran in climbed from the ditch by ladders which had been placed there for the purpose and hauling these up after them were soon in the battery with the news that large bodies of the enemy were approaching on either flank scarcely were the garrison at their post when the french were seen approaching at once they broke into a run and gallantly led dashed across the space of cleared rock in spite of the heavy fire of musketry and grape when they came however to the edge of the deep gulf in the solid rock they paused they had had no idea of meeting with such an obstacle as this it was easy enough to leap down but impossible to climb up the steep face ten feet high in front of them and which in the dim light could be plainly seen it was however impossible for those in front to pause pressed upon by those behind who did not know what was stopping them large numbers were compelled to jump into the trench where they found themselves unable either to advance or retreat 
by this time every gun on the upper side of the castle had opened on the assailing columns taking them in flank when the fire of the battery was continued without a moment's intermission Bussy himself, who was commanding one of the columns, pushed his way through his struggling soldiers to the edge of the trench, when seeing the impossibility of scaling the sides, unprovided as he was with scaling ladders, he gave the orders to retreat, and the columns, harassed by the flanking fire of the guns of the castle and pursued by that of the battery, retreated, having lost some hundreds of their number beside a hundred and fifty of their best men prisoners in the deep trench around the battery these were summoned to surrender and resistance being impossible they at once laid down their arm ladders were lowered to them and they were marched the prisoners to the fort the next morning when the defenders of the fortress looked over the valley the great camp was gone the nizam and Bussy, despairing of the possibility of carrying the position at once so enormously strong by nature and so gallantly defended had raised the siege which had cost them over two thousand of their best soldiers including two hundred french killed and prisoners and retreated to the plateau of the deccan the exultation of the rajah and his troops was unbounded they felt that now and henceforth they were safe from another invasion and the rajah saw that in the future he should be able to gain greatly increased territory as the ally of the english his gratitude to charlie was unbounded and he literally loaded him with costly presents three weeks later a letter was received by the latter from mr sanders congratulating him upon the inestimable service which he had rendered and appointing him to the rack of captain in the company's service now that the rajah would be able to protect himself should any future assault be made upon him an event most unlikely to happen as Bussy and the nizam would be unwilling to risk a repetition of a defeat which had already so greatly injured their prestige he had better return to madras where as mr saunders said the services of so capable an officer were greatly needed he warned him however to be careful in the extreme how he made his way back as the country was in a most disturbing state the mahratta bands being everywhere out plundering and burning subsequent information that the mahrattas were swarming in the plains below determined charlie to accept an offer which the rajah made him that he should under a strong escort cross the mountains and make his way to a port on the west coast in the state of a friendly rajah where he would be able to take ship and coast round to madras the rajah promised to send charlie's horses and other presents down to madras when an opportunity should offer and charlie accompanied by the four sepoys all of which had been promoted to the rank of officers by tim kelly and hosed who would not separate himself a moment from his side started from ambor with an escort of thirty horsemen the rajah was quite affected at the parting and the army which he had formed and organized paraded before him for the last time and then shouted their farewell charlie himself although glad to return among his countrymen from whom he had been 
nearly two years separated was yet sorry to leave the many friends he had made his position was now a very different one from that which he held when he left madras then he was a newly made lieutenant who had distinguished himself indeed under clive but who was as yet unknown save to his commander and who was as poor as when he had landed eighteen months before in india now he had gained a name for himself and a successful defence of ambur had been of a month's service to the company he was too a wealthy man for the presence in money alone of the rajah had amounted to over twenty five thousand pounds a sum which in these days may appear extraordinary but which was small to that frequently bestowed by wealthy native princes upon british officers who had done them a good service clive himself after a short campaign had returned to england with a far larger sum for several days the party rode through the hills without incident and on a fifth day they saw stretched at their feet a rich flat country dotted with villages beyond which extended the long blue line of the sea the distance was greater than charlie imagined and twas only after two days long ride that he reached calicut where he was received with great honor by the rajah to whom the leader of the escort brought letters of introductions from the rajah of ambur for four days charlie remained as his guest then took passage in a large native vessel bound for ceylon whence he would have no difficulty in obtaining passage to madras these native ships are very high out of the water rising considerably towards the stem and stern and in form they somewhat resemble the chinese junk but are without the superabundance of grotesque paintings carving and gliding which distinguish the latter the rajah accompanied charlie to the shore and a salute was fired by his followers in honor of the departure of the guest the weather was lovely and the clumsy craft with all sails set was soon running down the coast when they had sailed some hours from calicut from behind a headland four vessels suddenly made their appearance they were lower in the water and much less clumsy in appearance than the ordinary native craft and were propelled not only by their sails but a number of oars on each side no sooner did the captain and crew of the ship behold these vessels than they raised a cry of terror and despair the captain who was part owner of the craft ran up and down the deck like one possessed and the sailors seemed scarcely less terrified what on earth is the matter charlie exclaimed what vessels are those and why are you afraid of them tulagi angaria tulagi angaria the captain cried and the crew took up the refrain the name that they uttered fully accounted for their terror end of chapter fourteen